Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast. Established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Once again, my name is Dallas here. Today, we have another incredible author joining us today, EO Valley, calling us all the way from Florida. Such a pleasure to have you here today. How are you? I'm doing well, and I'm very happy to be here at Dallas. Yeah, we were just relating a little bit before the show that your name is Elias and my son's name is Elijah Elias in Portuguese. And so we have that that cool connection here. So I really appreciate your name. It is a biblical name for all of those who are listening and wonder, where does that name come from? It is Elijah yes. in English. It's so such a joy to have you here today. And yeah, so you thanks, recently thanks. wrote a book called That's Not What the Bible Says, Unraveling Common Misconceptions for Better Biblical Understanding. And if this isn't something that we need today, with so many confusing, confusing things that are happening in our world, different interpretations, Bibles, you know, not Bibles, but we could say churches changing. This is the way that it's supposed to be, you know, what does the Bible truly say? And I think that that's your heart behind this message here today in your book. And so if you could just tell us a little bit about who you are, and then we'll go yeah. directly to the book itself after that. Yeah, sure. Um, so I actually grew up in the church. Um, I don't ever remember in my younger years not being in some kind of church. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and that was my my mother's doing. Uh, it was going to church. For me, it was it's what people did. Uh, I guess growing up in those early years in Puerto Rico, uh, it's what you did. You didn't question it. It wasn't like, I'm not going to church. What are you talking about? Uh, so, but at the age of 18, um, I had, uh, I, I wind up leaving the church, not God. I, I never had a problem with God whatsoever in my life. Uh, but at the time something happened in a church at the age of 18 and, you know, at the age of 18, you don't process things well, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you take everything personal. Uh, and that's what wind up happening. Uh, even though I was involved with the church quite a bit. Uh, so I stepped away, uh, from the church for many, many years. Um, many years later, um, uh, God made a way uh, for me to find my way back. And I say it that way because there's there's different views on how someone becomes a Christian, right? Uh, and I think that what I found out at later on after I came back to the church was that somebody was actually praying for me. Uh, so what wind up happening is that all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, things started to change in my life. I mean, things started happening that you imagine you having a job at an office and you go to the office and you you standing in front of the building and it's a bakery. Mm-hmm. You're like, what? How did my office become a bakery? Right. It's like and that's not what happened. It's just that jarring. And just one thing after the other, like every couple of days, there was something new that was happening. And I just, for the life of me, I, and nothing that was related, it, none of the things that were happening were related, uh, but it, but it's, I started to get anxious about it. I didn't know what was going on. And it was, um, it was about, I would say about five weeks, maybe six weeks after this, that 
um, it just hit me, just like out of the blue, it hit me. It was something God was doing. That's the only explanation I can come up with. Even though I've been away from church for all these years and everything else, I guess because of my teachings, my understanding, I, I just knew in my heart. And I was I was having a dinner with a friend of mine who I had not seen in a long time. And she says to me, so Elias, catch me up to her. Well, uh, something huge is going to happen. I don't know if it's good. And I don't. I just know that God's the one doing it. I just I just knew in my heart that it was. Uh, the next day, I met up with another friend of mine and in conversation, and I still laugh about it today because she was talking to me and I could barely hear her because my mind was elsewhere. And all of a sudden, my mouth opens and I said, do you have a church that you go to? And she almost fell off the floor because remember, I've been away from the church for the longest time. So that's not what people know about me. And uh, anyway, the next day we wind up going to church. Uh, I got back in. Uh, and, uh, you know, I feel like, and I came back like with a force, with a vengeance. It's like, I wanted to know everything there was about God again and get involved. And that's how I wound up, uh, getting back into the church. Yeah. And what would be your advice for someone today who kind of finds themselves in a similar place as you were? Well, you know, it's interesting because at that age, um, you don't know what you don't know. Right. So th this is, this is the problem I think that we all have. Right. So, you don't search for something that you don't know is missing, right? So, so these are, and then, and what happens, especially today, especially today, I think that the, the our youth today, because this happens, this is very common when people get to that age, 18, 19, 20 college years. Um, and what happens is that the world has a really pretty ways to try to convince you of certain things. Okay. Um, and, what happens is that if we don't stop to really think about what we're accepting from someone that's telling us something, if we don't, we we tend to go down the wrong path. So critical thinking is really important, okay? And it's important to be able to do that, right, um, logically, right, and to really look at who you're speaking to, what they're um, you know, why, what is, what is their, what is their, uh, what is their purpose for them telling you what they're telling you, uh, and everything else. And then look at their lives and see where that's going. So I'll give you a quick, I'll give you a quick one, right? So I had a great conversation recently with someone, uh, who was very dear to me, uh, and, um, they're 22 years old and we started to have the conversation about God and they couldn't understand why God. And I said, I don't understand. What do you mean, why God? And they were saying, I don't understand why it is that we can't, as a society, right, just come up with our own laws. Why can't we govern ourselves? Why is it that we can't come up with our own laws, right, uh, with our own commands and the things that we need to do, and we all agree on it, and that's what we do? Why is it that we need a God, in quotes, right, to do that? So, so I said, okay, well, let's think about that for a second. So you're saying that your ideal world is to have a world where people govern themselves, where people come up with the laws and everybody agrees and everybody follows them and everything is good. And they said, yes. I go, great. Let me ask you something. Do you think that you live in a really good world right now? And they're like, no, it's all messed up. I said, so you're arguing for what you already have. I said, this world is not governed by God. It's never been governed by God. It's always been governed by people. So you're saying... You're arguing for something that you already have and which you admit is not good. And not working. 
and not working, right? So I could see the change in their face, right, about it. Um, And um, so it was really, really good conversation, right? Because I think uh, we got enough information for them to start to think, huh, maybe the way I've been thinking about this, I haven't thought it all the way through. Right. And then I said, now let's look at now let's look at the um, the difference between the two. Right now, you're talking about a government of people who we all understand are broken. uh, And a lot of them are, you know, a lot of us are selfish. Right. So when I'm making a law, am I am I thinking about you or am I thinking about me? If I'm going to create a law, I'm most likely thinking more about me than I'm thinking about you. Okay, so we know we have that problem. I said, wouldn't it be better to have a lawmaker who is absolutely perfect and just, who's able to make laws that benefit you mm-hmm. from a God that loves you and has mercy and has grace and knows how to balance it all. Which would you really, really prefer, that or what you have today? Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, um, you know, the, the person said to me, you know, this is the first time that I've been able to speak to someone to get clarity from someone who understands scripture and is able to explain it in a way with compassion, wow. right? So for me, I think wow. that's so you know, true. And by the there way, are so many people that have the first part, but then with the compassion, that's that's the kicker. That's what we need. There, we need it. Right. But if you do all things without love, I mean, one one hundred percent. Because it wasn't an argument throughout the whole time. I kept asking them questions. Here's a question. What's the answer? Here's a question. What's the answer? At the end, they came to the same conclusion that I came to. I didn't have to force it on them. Um, now. Typically, that's a good apologetist. I'm not one of that. I'm not a, I'm, I'm not an apologetics guy. I'm really not. I think that happened to be that one case where it just came up and, and, and the words came to me. Uh, but I think we as Christians need to get better at that. And me, me included. I think we need to get better at that so that we can have those conversations uh, with people so that they can come to the same conclusion that we've already come to without forcing it on them. Wow. I have one more question. What would you say about a silent believer? Wow. So that's <laughs> that's like a, that's like a two-hour conversation. A silent believer. Okay. So um, Jesus says, uh, okay, so there's a misconception. Talking about misconceptions, right? Mm-hmm. So some people believe that Christians produce fruit. Uh, that is a misconception. Christians don't produce fruit. Christians only bear fruit. All the fruit is produced by Jesus. Okay. He's clear about that. He is the vine. We're the branches. We only bear fruit. Okay. So the way he puts it is he says to his disciples, he says, um, so stick close to me, abide in me. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's what he says. Okay. So he tells us in giant, tells us this big, this big dissertation. He tells us abide in me because when you don't abide in me without me, you could do nothing. Okay. So the whole idea behind Jesus telling his disciples to abide in him so that they can bear fruit because they can't bear fruit otherwise. So if Jesus is the one who produces the fruit, all I have to do is stay close to Jesus. Okay. So if you are a silent Christian, okay, you have to ask how closely are you abiding in Jesus because he's producing the fruit. So if you're not bearing fruit, then how much are you really abiding in Jesus that you have no fruit on your branches? That's the question that we should ask ourselves, right? So if you don't think, if you know anything that we do, if, if you find that you're not bearing fruit, the question you should be asking is, 
it's not that you have to go out there and, you know, become a scholar or start doing all these things. No, what we need to do is, is get closer to Jesus. So I would say that a person that either doesn't feel like they should be or can or whatever, um, I would say to just visit their relationship with Jesus. How close are you abiding in Jesus? Because if you abide in Jesus, you don't have to worry about what you have to say. That fruit is going to come. That's that's the best answer that I could have ever received from the silent believer. Thank you so much for, for giving that. That's something that I had to wrestle with as well, because the, the, I'm a missionary, right? Before I lived in Brazil, I lived in Asia. In my missionary, yeah. you know, the work we were doing in Asia was very street ministry based. When I came to Brazil, it was more in the church base. And I kind of wrestled with God, God, I'm not really being a missionary. I'm not being used in the way I thought I was supposed to be. And he's like, I want you in the church because people are coming, but they still don't know me. And so that's right. when I understood people do go become close to God as well, but they don't touch yep. him. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, she touched him for the healing, right? But there were a crowd around Jesus, but she touched him, right? Mm -hmm. And so we, we have to be close, but we have to touch him as well. We have to put in that work and, and spend the time with him and, and bear fruit. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, you make a really good point that um, I think that we uh, sometimes get caught up as to what it is to do missions, what it is mm -hmm. to work with God, but the work is everywhere including the church. And at a lot of times we don't realize that there are more people in the church lost sometimes I think that there are in the world. That's right? the hard thing I had to uh, swallow. I, I didn't yes. understand that in the beginning. You know, I was, God, I don't understand what I'm what I'm doing right now. Yeah, but he's absolutely. Doing it in this way for the last five years. And I'm so grateful that this has been the ministry mm -hmm. that we've been a part of. Awesome. Yeah. Let's talk about your book a little bit more, those misconceptions. And so just to discuss a couple of those that you have, you were talking about Jesus's baptism, the Good Samaritan parable, and some others there, other biblical events. So if you can just, what was your heart behind this book? Well, you know, I the book tackles a little over a dozen topics. Uh, it has 10 chapters, but even some chapters have a couple of topics that it actually tackles. Um, you know, the after death, um, what happens at the death, right? Uh, what is the soul? Uh, is the soul immortal? Um, you know, what is really baptism, fasting, uh, all those things that are in there. And at first, when I started thinking about writing the book, um, I thought, I don't want this to be a book where here's a problem, here's an answer. Mm -hmm. I didn't want it to be that because there's too much of that. And I think that while that is good and we need that, I think what we really need, okay, because to me, that's giving fish. There's a problem here, and I'm going to give you the answer. I just gave you the fish. Uh, my heart is actually in teaching you how to fish, right? So that's really my heart behind this is I don't want to just give you the answer. I want to take you on a journey, just like I did with that friend, that conversation I had. It says, let's ask some questions. Does this make sense? Okay, so let's read this verse right here and tell and, and, and see, does, this, does it make sense? What you think it means, does it really mean that? Uh, so let's go on a journey. Let's look at some other passages. Let's go into the Old Testament um, and let's see if we can get more information that'll give us clarity on this that we're that we're uh, that we're reading. Right. So one is yes in the book I give you the answer. So yes I give you the fish. But two, hopefully I'm also showing you how to fish, how to get that. And the the third one, which is the the, the biggest one, is I want everyone. I, I want them to go back to the Bible. I'm glad that you I'm glad that you bought my book and I'm glad that you're reading it. But if it doesn't lead you to the Bible, I didn't do my job because honestly, that's where I would prefer. If you had a choice of buying my book or the Bible, I would tell you go buy the Bible. Right. That's where I want you to go. And I think that um, I think there's 
there are too many things that we have gotten either through tradition, right? Um, through, you know, a lot of times I say, uh, as, as I do my studies, I always find myself saying, I wasn't taught this in church. This is not what I was taught, right? And then I think, wait, was I taught incorrectly or did I listen incorrectly? <laughs> so I don't always know which it is, right? I don't always know which it is. All I know is that the more that I read the Bible, the more I find that some of the things that I grew up um, understanding or believing are a bit twisted compared to what I found in the Bible. And I think that, I think it's important that we as believers get back into the Bible, right? So the, the latest Barner reports that if you read them, we see that there's a decline in Bible engagement from Christians. Um, and it really is a shame. It, you know, I, I think we need to get back into that. But more than that is not, again, not just here's what the answer is, because a lot of times we get those answers, you know, from the pulpit, but is can you go and prove that? Can you find the evidence so that when you're speaking to someone else, you can speak with confidence? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's so many expressions and phrases that we also create as people that aren't actually in the Bible. Like I have one here, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in the Bible, but people say that, right? As a quote of scripture, it's not though. Right. What would you say are the biggest misconceptions that you've seen through your studies and that people make in the church? You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Experience the magic of a sunny Christmas with Joseph Simmons Jr.'s heartwarming holiday anthem. This multilingual masterpiece celebrating love and joy is available in English, French, Mandarin, Hindi, Portuguese, Spanish, Japanese, and many more. Don't miss out on the global celebration. Listen to the full song by searching Thanking of a Sunny Christmas on YouTube today. Discover the transformative journey of Unwavering Hope by Rhonda Mincy. This powerful book illuminates the profound impact on hope in navigating life's biggest challenges. Drawing from personal experiences and everyday heroes, Rhonda offers practical strategies for growth. Embrace hope, cultivate faith, and find resilience. Buy this book now on Amazon and embrace your own journey to unwavering hope. What would you say are the biggest misconceptions that you've seen through your studies and that people make in the church? Yeah, some of them are really obvious and some of them are not. Okay, so that's one of the things that you'll, you're going to find in the book, right? That some of them are going to be, yes, I remember growing up uh, reading this, knowing this, and this was an obvious one. Uh, and there's some others that are not so obvious, right? Where you're like, hmm, I kind of sort of knew this, but now I now I see it uh, more more deeply. Um, so I would say, so what, one of the ones that's really interesting, right? So I always, I typically, when I'm speaking about the book, I tell people, this is what I have my introduction is. Do you remember uh, little Moses in his basket, uh, you know, as a child floating down the Nile River? And of course, everybody says, yes, I remember that. I go, that never happened. And they right away, they're like, what do you mean that never happened? That never happened. That basket never, never floated down the Nile. Right. And what's interesting about it is that, you know, as soon as people hear that, they go right to the Bible. And what do they find? That, that basket never moved. Uh, Moses' mom put that basket in a particular spot where it was going to be found and it never moved. But I've heard preachers preach wow. how God's hand was moving on that basket, navigating him down an aisle. 
And, you know, you look at that and you go, okay, so how did I get there? How, how is it? Why is it that I believe that Moses, you know, his, his that basket traveled down the Nile? Um, I initially were talking to someone and the argument was, uh, or the conversation was about, you know, what happens when we die? Okay. And this person's position was that when we die, we go to heaven. And so the question was, okay, so what makes you think that? So their response was, well, the Bible says, uh, it says, uh, to be absent from the body is to be with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. not what it says. That's close to what it says, but is not what it says. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I have them go back to the scripture. I say, read it again. And just one more time. And you tell me if it actually says what you just said. And it doesn't. Uh, so I go, now I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not arguing, you know, my point about whether I'm right or wrong. That's not the point. The point is, you just quoted something that you quoted incorrectly. And we do that just so there's some quotes that just don't exist whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But then there's some that only exist like three quarters, right? Mm -hmm. And because you've, you know, you took out some of the words, you change its meaning. Um, and I think that happens a lot. And I think the biggest one to answer your question has to do with the first chapter, which is what happens when we die. Okay, that there's a there's a lot of different opinions, right? And the the one thing that I want to bring across is that I, I don't want to bring my opinion in the book, right? The idea is let's take what the opinions are. Now let's go to scripture. Let's go find every single scripture that talks about death or about someone dying. And let's see what happened, what, what it says when that person dies. Let's talk about what what in scripture when God speaks or Jesus speaks about you know, a, a dead person. Let's look at all those scriptures, right? And and let's let's take let's take off those glasses that are tainted, right? With you know things, tradition and things we learned in the past. And let's see what does it actually say. Right. And again, trying to get people to that, but I uh to to the to the final answer. So I think that's one of the biggest ones. And honestly, it's been the it's been the biggest struggle for people to accept um what 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 is introduced in the book because at the end of it it's it's like you have no more arguments and so what the other thing that i do in the book is that i don't just present one side okay because i see that and i get frustrated when i read a teaching and it's one-sided where it's like i'm just going to show you just just the verses that i found you know that prove my point i get frustrated because i know there's other other verses out there that seem to say something different, right? So I like to bring those in as well to say, okay, so well, on this hand, this is what it says. On the other hand, we find this. So how do we reconcile that? All right. So having that information available from both sides, I think brings the person to a better understanding of the topic. Mm -hmm. And would you say that this book is for the, the mature believer, for the newcomers in the faith? Who would you say that this is more written toward? Um, so I, so I've been leading Bible studies for a really long time. And I, in, in those studies, I've had baby Christians that, you know, just found their way, you know, a month or two, a couple of months ago, and then people that have been churched for 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, so when I do my studies, right, you know this, right, you have to keep that balance, right? So it's, so it's important to, I try to keep the Christianese to a minimum, right, where I'm not using words that are only found in the Bible, you know, um, so I try to do that. So I try to do the same thing here. So I, I imagine when I'm writing, I'm always imagining the people that have been in my studies, 
And I, when I write something, I imagine that person absorbing the text. And I would say, this person will not understand what I just said. So I might rewrite that, right? But I also have to take into account that there's some, right? So that friends of my pastors that are reading this and say, well, I don't need to over-explain to them. They have the information. So what I try to do, the way I wrote the book was, is more of a journey. So it's almost like watching a movie. So we start in the beginning, then we take you to this place, then we're going to take you to here. We're going to let you see this part over here. So, um, so in that way, while you might not understand who all the characters are, Along the way, I'm explaining why that character is important. So you 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 get to learn a little bit about the about the character without, if you're, a, you know, a 20 year believer, without being bored with the content because it's hopefully moving along at a good pace. Yeah, and I do have more questions about the book itself, but I don't want to give too much away. So I want our audience to do check out the book. It's on Amazon. <laughs> it's on your site as well. Check that out. And so I do want to ask about your Bible Dose, a platform for Bible yeah. studies. You said that you've been leading yeah. Bible studies for a long time. So kind of what is this and, and how did this become? Yeah. So um, because I have been doing studies for a long time, I found that every couple of months I was I was changing how I prepared the Bible study. Sometimes I'm using Word documents and putting all the text in there with all the questions and handing them out at the, at, at the group. Or I would do a PowerPoint presentation. Sometimes I would do something on the web so I can show a video. Uh, so I just kept changing uh, how to do that. So I, I and, and there was nothing that I could find, a tool to help me prepare Bible studies. Um, then everything was great. And then the next thing that happened was uh, COVID happened and we found ourselves not being able to meet, especially indoors. So now we're outdoors. So guess what? I don't have, I don't have a big screen, so I can't show the content on a big screen. So that became a challenge. So, um, I started to look to see if there was any tools There are no tools out there. All the Bible study tools and apps that I find are for individual study, not for group study. So because I also own a software development company, I decided to create a uh, an, a, an application for group study. So the way the gist of it is, uh, imagine that uh, we're in a group study. There's 10, 15, however many people at the study. So uh, I take out my tablet. And what I do is, so each person, as they're all together, they log in. Um, and then I control the devices. So what happens is if I want you to go to John 3.16, I push a button and now John 3.16 appears on your screen. So now what, so this is what some, so that's just one small part of what it does, but just to show you the power of it, you've been in, I'm sure a thousand Bible studies, right? And what are some of the problems that we get in a Bible study? One, people who are new believers don't know how to navigate the Bible. So when you tell them to go to Matthew 13, they ask you, is that in the old Testament or the new Testament? Right? So and you have to wait for those people to catch up. Then you've got, then you ask someone, can you read uh, Luke 3, 7 to 10? And you got people trying to get there. Uh, and then someone starts reading, but the other people haven't gotten there yet. Right. Or they start reading and then halfway through, they'll stop and go, uh, do you want me to continue? Yeah, you you got three more. You you know the process, right? Yeah. yeah the, there's yeah, a lot. So there's a lot. Just yeah. Right. That's every, every Bible study goes through it. So I found, I go, so it was a lot of time that was, uh, is being wasted. And, uh, so, uh, this, this application gets rid of all that because, um, you don't have to navigate anything. Uh, the leader navigates for you. 
So, and then when he says, if he wants you to read from Luke 5, 7 through 10, he pushes a button. And not only does the scripture come up, but it's highlighted for you. So you can see exactly what you have to read, right? So now, if I, then I want to say, now this is a good passage. Let's take a look at it in the NIV version. I hit another, another button and now the NIV version appears in your screen. Then I can have them compared. So then I can show you if I'm talking about a particular topic and say, let me show you why it is that some people believe this and some people believe that, because we have two Bibles that say it a little different way. So it's a good way to do uh, word study um, as well. So we, we have the Greek in there. We have it in different languages. So if you come in and from Brazil, let's say, so if your native language is Portuguese, right, you might be struggling with the Bible study that's being done in English. But what if you can just push a button and now see everything that's happening in your language? Wow. This that is a Bible study tool we didn't know that we needed. But now that we do know it exists, <laughs> we have to download. So please right. share the link for that. And we'll also put that for the description as well. Of the podcast yeah. today for our audience yeah. to check that out. That's amazing. Yeah. So so Bible Dose is uh, we've making some really big changes and updates. Uh, so right now we anticipate that March will be the rollout. Uh, okay. because one of the things, so when we initially designed it, we designed it for small Bible studies and groups, uh, but we've elevated that to do it at a church level. Yeah. Uh, it sounds so, like, th I mean, this could be so helpful in churches as well. Right. Yes. Wow. So the idea, so the idea in the church would be, so if you have a church, right, you want to make sure that the content that's being taught or spoken about in Bible studies, that it's correct, right? It's the stuff that your church believes. So it allows you, um, so at an administration level to control, right? And to disseminate the actual Bible studies that are being done within your church. And there's a lot of groups that, I mean, a lot of churches that have the outbreaks, you know, that through the week they meet up and, and do all of that. So yeah, it makes, yeah. It makes total sense. Absolutely. Let's continue here and go on to your nonprofit organization. We can close out with this, My Prof, My Neighbor PR. What is this? So My Neighbor PR, um, so it's been dissolved since, by the way. It was, it was dissolved this year. So it was started in 2017. So after Hurricane Maria hit, um, I just had it in my heart that I needed to do something. And so it was... There was no electricity in Puerto Rico, no water. Um, it was a mess. And some people didn't receive water or electricity for nine months. Imagine living in that, right? So um, I got together with a couple of friends of mine. I said, come on, we have to go to Puerto Rico. So we grabbed the first flight that we possibly could get, which was a couple of weeks after the hurricane. Uh, we went down there and um, we, to see what how bad it was and what was actually needed. Uh, so then I decided I came back. And I said, okay, well, we need to do something here. What's the best way to do it? And while I, I started to do some of the things on my own, doing fundraisers and going down there. And, you know, so we would go, we would go and our target was to visit 100 families in a day. So we would go, we would bring them food and water, pray over them uh, and on to the next house. So uh, we did that. We wind up going to, I think, 1300 um, families uh during that time and the best way to do it so that i can continue to raise funds because i thought it was only, i thought i was only going to do it for a couple of weeks it wind up being a couple of years 
uh, because it took so long for the infrastructure to come up. So I decided, let me just start a proper organization, nonprofit, and and do that because that would be that was going to be the best way to be able to do the funding and get other people involved. So yeah, so we actually just be, because everything has been now restored, and because you got to remember that after that they started with the, the earthquake started. So while they're getting back on their feet from not having water and electricity, the uh, we had the um, uh, the earthquakes happen. So that prolonged us staying open another year. Uh, and then this year, we finally uh, dissolved the organization. In Jesus' name, you guys don't need to go back for any, <laughs> any reason for that case. Amen. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you being on here today. I had a great time and I hope that our audience learned something and that they can buy this book apply it to their life, pick up the Bible, know the Bible, bear fruit, all of those things that you're saying here today. So yes. anything else you would want us to take away from your time here? Um, wow, there's so much. I mean, I think I always say this, um, you know, we're all looking for purpose. We're all looking to uh, put a dent in this world or leave something behind and do something that actually means something. Um, I think if you're uh, if if you're on what, listening to this, then most likely you're a Christian or you're thinking about it, right? Uh, and I think that uh, moving towards Jesus is the best thing that you can do, uh, even if you're not sure why you're doing it or you're not sure what's going to come of it, right? Because no one knows the future. Um, and, uh, you know, I think sometimes people think, well, it's it's hard being a Christian. And that's true. It's not easy being a Christian. I said, but it is the most rewarding thing that you can be. And that's what I would say. I says if you can, if you can just trust that, just give your give yourself a chance to lean in, lean into what God has for you. Um, I think that you will find blessings. And and you know, I think sometimes people say, oh, that you know, what are we talking about? Is this a prosperity gospel that I do all these good things? And I no, absolutely not. But we have to remember that Paul and Jesus spoke a lot about rewards. So there are rewards and we shouldn't forget about that, right? So, and I say, hey, you know, I can work really hard here to make a whole bunch of money to put in my bank here, or I could do some things to put it in the bank in the afterlife. I think I'd rather choose that. Yeah, yeah. This one is just just a moment, just so quick, right? Yep. The eternal life, Absolutely. you want to be set up, you want to be set up for eternal life for sure. Absolutely. So, I really appreciate your time. And one more time, the book is available on Amazon. They can find the link in the description here today. If you can end our time with a prayer, that would be excellent. Absolutely. Let's do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time when we thank you for who you are. Uh, we thank you for this ministry. Uh, Father, um, we all know how much is needed. And Father, I just I just ask for a great blessing uh, over this ministry, Father. They continue to thrive, uh, and not thrive for themselves, but thrive for the kingdom, Father, that more people come to listen, that more people get closer to you, that more people learn who you are and what it is that you offer. Uh, this world has a lot that it's trying to offer, but when we apply a little bit of critical thinking, I think we realize that it leaves us empty. Uh, so I just pray, Heavenly Father, that you just continue to pour into what's happening here and right now. Father, I, I thank you for the opportunity to be here, to be part of it, Father. And as we come off of this uh, this podcast right now, I just ask for your spe uh, special blessing on Dallas himself, Father, that I just got to meet. And having a name that connects us, Father, with his family is absolutely awesome. And uh, there's a reason why we came here uh, today. Uh, and I thank you for that as well. Whatever that turns out to be, I know it's going to be good. So we thank you, uh, Father, for what you've given us. We thank you for the salvation that you're offering us. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast with your host, Pastor Chris Busher. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.